good morning. Buenos dias. Welcome to Life Community Church. My name is Tom. I am the teaching pastor at Life Community. If this is your first time here, we're so glad to have you here with us. We have a, an exciting morning ahead of us. We started a series last week where we're looking at the first three chapters of Genesis, calling it First Things First. Um, it's just like, what, 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 how does God introduce himself to us in his word? And uh, today we're going to take a look at, at, a, at an essential idea from Genesis chapter 1. But before we get there, we've got several other things we're doing. We have a missions team that's leaving for Honduras later this week. And we, yeah, amen, right? And so we're going we're gonna to pray over them and hear, hear uh, uh, how we can do that as they're gone. Dan's going to uh, give an update on some, some giving things around here. But, but really big day today, right? Because for seven months, we've been guests here at, at Resurrection Evangelical Lutheran Church. And today is our last scheduled Sunday here at RELC. And so uh, we, we, we've had, yeah, we, we, I mean, we can give them, give God a round of applause for their, their generosity to us. That is fantastic, right, what they've done for us. Um, but yeah, next week, um, we are planning to be back at 4400. Lord willing, uh, we'll be together at 4400. And so I know that, that uh, you'll hear more about that before we're done this morning. So we're going to worship. And as we do, why don't you all go ahead and, and stand up with us, and um, we're going to praise God together. Amen. You all can sit for a couple minutes. My name is Lee. I'm the Communications and Creative Arts Director. And right now, I want to invite our Honduras team up front with me. Anyone who's leaving, well, I'm going to ask you when you're leaving um, here in a minute. Welcome. All right, let's start down at the end of the line and introduce ourselves, please. You can say a fun fact if you want. I'm Jeff Haynes, and a fun fact about me is I am a gingerbread house winning baker, if nobody knew. <laughs> I'm Nathaniel Ayangwede, um, and I've been here for around six months now. Uh, Ian Miller invited me, so thank you. Um, and a fun fact about me, uh, I'm from West Africa, Togo. I don't really know if that's a fun fact, but. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! My name is Tim Haynes. I like football. Ooh. Hi, Tim. I'm Carrie Neusmeyer, and this will be my sixth trip to Honduras. Wow. Is that your fun fact? <laughs> I like it. I'm Joe Kiefer, and on the, off the top of my head, my mother's maiden name was Kipfer, and her mother's maiden name was Kister, so it's Kister Kipfer Kiefer. <laughs> All right, Mr. Kipster Keeper Keeper. Close enough. I have a few questions, if you wouldn't mind. Um, as spokesperson now of the Honduras team. Was I elected or what? You were. Um, when, tell us about your trip. When are you leaving? When are you coming back? It's the same as the February trip generally, like maybe even the July ones. We leave on wee hours Sunday or Saturday morning, the 17th, this coming Saturday. We come back late at night, Saturday night, 24. So it's a week. Great. And then as you're in Honduras, what will you be doing there? Uh, the backpacks that we packed up, bought school supplies for and packed up last summer. We hand them out to the hundreds of kids. We also just recently were buying school supplies for teachers at the two schools, 10 teachers. So we'll be 
getting those set up. Carrie's got to give me the nod on I'm saying that right. Um, she also told me that we're going to see the church that Pastor Marvin is building so we can see what he needs for that. And then we get to see our kids, hopefully, that we sponsor, maybe in their homes. That's what I would prefer and get to talk to them. I can use my rudimentary Spanish and then look. I can speak to them some and then I look like deer in the headlights when they respond. So um, at least I could have a translator there to help me on that end. And then what are you, Joe, looking forward to about this trip? Is this your first time? This is, this is my first. Okay. I've thought about it for at least the past two or three years because I wasn't working. Last year I was working at this time, but the two previous years I wasn't. Um, the, seeing the kids that we sponsor is the, the number one thing just because otherwise it's been a connection of letters and I'd like to actually have them know something about me. And Jeff is going to speak, teach today on Genesis, end of one and start of two, God creating man in his image, and we bear his image. And I want to see them, see the, I want those kids to see a reflection of God's image in, in me and the team. I love that. Um, how can we pray for you as a team? That we reflect God's image um, with the kids, with their families, with the Sowers team that's having to operate without the Sowers themselves there because they're in Florida because of health reasons. Um, among ourselves, reflect God's image to each other. Um, always health and safety on a trip like this. Um, perseverance and patience when things don't go right, which at some point you know they don't, or maybe not the way that you want them to. Um, so dealing with whatever comes up, whether it's a travel issue or something else, um, just remembering it, it's not within our hands, it's in God's hands. So if you step on a plane, you put your life in God's hands, and that's the case all the time, not just when you step on a plane, it's just more of a reminder. So next, we, I would love to pray for your team, for you guys. Um, as I pray, if you want to reach out your hand toward them or if you want to come up and lay hands on them, you're welcome to join me and pray with them. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much that you are creator of this world and that you made every person in your image. Thank you that we bear that likeness. Thank you that your church is made up of people all across the world. And thank you that we get to be part of that. And thank you that we get to go be with your church in Honduras um, starting this coming Saturday. I pray for our team. Um, I pray that that image would shine beautifully and um, be seen beautifully in our sister church in Honduras. I pray for safety and health for our team. And we're just, we're so thankful for them. And um, Thank you for their hearts in serving and being the church around the world. In your name, amen. Thank you. And then if you guys, yes, we'll be praying for you. And then if you all want to go ahead and stand, um, we'll continue with worship. Lord, we thank you that you are the highest, that you are the greatest. God, we're thankful that we can 
stand here and confidently sing that your name stands above every other name. God, we pray that we don't just think about that while we're at church. Lord, but as we move on from here today and this week, that we're able to internalize those lyrics in this song. We're able to believe it. Lord, we ask that you are with us. Be present in our lives this morning. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Kids, thank you so much for being here with us. It's different when you're here. We love it. We love worshiping with you, but it is time to go to Kids Life. We will see you later. Have a good time. Okay. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Okay. It's good to hear it. In a moment, I'm going to turn things over to Jeff Haynes, but before I do, I want to give you some updates. So this is our last week, and this is on the spot. I'm going to, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I want a memory from today. So can we do something? Um, I want to do, we'll start on this side of the room. Is everybody familiar with the wave, right? So I, we're gonna, and I'm going to count through. We're only going to get one shot at this. Are you going to take it? Okay, because I was going to pull my phone out. But we're only going to get one shot. All right, so it's got to be good. So on the count of three, those of you, if you, if you don't know the wave, find somebody around you and ask real fast. Okay? And so we're going to start on this side, stand up, and gonna go all the way across. This is going to be our memory from our last day at RELC together. Okay? Everybody got it? We're going to start on this side. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. Oh, man. What a sweet ending. Very, very good. Very good. All right. So next week, we're going to be back at 4400 Cemetery Road. Uh, Get your maps out if you don't know where that is, because there's some people who may not know that. Um, Just to let you know, we are going to be in the lobby all right? And the kids are going to be in kids' life. So I'm telling you now, adjust your expectations accordingly and your attitudes (laughs) because it will be, it'll be cozy. We'll be very close together in there, um, but it'll be good. We'll make some memories. Uh, If you got kids, come early to check your kids in early. That will help minimize the distractions. And just know, like, our kids are going to be right next to us, right in the next section. We've tried to put them as far as we can to the south of the building, but we may hear some things next week. Um, How long will we be there? I wish I could give you a specific date. For those of you who are just like, I got to have a date, come on. I'm hoping we get in there by Palm Sunday. Uh, We'll see. Uh, That's what we're shooting for. But again, there's a lot of caveats with that. Um, I want to give you a little update on giving. But before I do, just say this. When we choose to follow the Lord, when we choose to give our lives to him, we begin to change. We we begin to go through a process of transformation, of giving more and more of our lives over to him. We start to see things, things through his eyes. We start to think like he thinks, and that's a process. We think differently as time goes on. Our attitude changes. And in that process, I think we begin to see things like our resources that he's given us, we begin to see, one, that they are his, and two, that there is incredible opportunity to use those resources, for him to use those resources as he sees fit to expand the kingdom. So he's given us his resources to manage. We have to remember that while we're here. Um, in the New Testament, we read about some churches 
that were in Macedonia who I think they had embraced what it means to have the right attitude and about giving. And so I want to just share a couple of verses with you, okay? This is what it says. Paul's talking to the church in Corinthian, Corinth about these other churches. And he says this, in the midst of a severe trial, a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. A privilege. What kind of an attitude is it that a mindset that says, man, what God has given me, it is a privilege to give that back to him. And I think, I think that came from a place, um, and a source. And Paul kind of identifies the source when he says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus emptied himself so that we could find life. He gave his life on the cross so that we could find life. He became, in a sense, poor so that we could be rich. And so Paul urges those followers in Corinth, he says this to them. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Listen, our, our giving, our giving is not another bill to pay. It's in a stack of bills. Our giving is something that is set apart. It's something that God uses to, to change the world for the gospel. The more generous we are, the more generosity increases in us, and through us. And if we're followers of him, we don't just give. Our attitude about how we give changes. Our mindset changes. And so we're invited into that, that process. Um, on that note, thank you for those of you who, who live this out by giving, who are part of our giving team here. And I want this body to be known for its generosity. And if this is new to you, you can start. Um, sometimes it can, it's a big step for you to, to jump to a number or something that you feel uncomfortable with. Just start giving in some way. Just start giving. And, and it's a process to, to turn that over to God. But the principles are you honor God off the top of what you have. And in the Old Testament, there, they, there's a talk about a tithe, the 10% tithe. In the New Testament, when Christ came, that, I believe that changed. We are under freedom now. Um, but that freedom is not, so now I don't give. The freedom is, wow, this is a privilege, and I can have an opportunity to expanding the gospel. So it's not just a percentage. And I think this is something we have to return to. When God changes our financial position, whether up or down, we consider, again, God, what do you want us to give? A couple years ago, we paid off our house. Woo, celebration, celebration. But the mindset is, we go immediately, right? You go to, oh, well, what can I, how can I use that money? But, 
there's opportunity. And so we want to expand and give more because God has put us in a position that's different now to be able to give. So the principle is seek his kingdom first. So with that, I just want to give you a quick update, too, about our budget. Um, our budget, for those of you who are new, it runs from July to June. So July 2023 to June 2024. This is a crazy year. We've had a fire uh, at our building. So let me update you where we're at. Um, this is through January 2024. Uh, we set the budget last July at $50,000. Currently, our giving is, you see the number there, 45449 a month. Um, that, is, that average is up since the last time we did this, which uh, I'm thankful for, we're thankful for. Uh, you can see our expenses there. Our expenses have been lower because of not being in the building. That's about to change because we're going to come back and there's going to be more expenses. Uh, they're going to be higher and we're going to need to increase our giving to match those expenses. Um, so we want to work together to meet, to meet the budget. Uh, just, like, just like you at home, we all as a body, right, we see in, in, increased costs that have come. And so we have that too. Uh, in, insurance, our bill is going to come due for insurance, and I can't wait to see that number <laughs> for what our, our premium is going to be. But things like that, it's just part of, it's part of having a community. Uh, it's part of expanding the kingdom. Um, when that money does not come in for our budget, we, our leadership team has to choose where we, uh, what initiatives we have to cut. Uh, and that can be, you know, it's a challenging process sometimes. So I just invite you to be generous and to give. Now, back in October, I shared that we actually, we created another fund called a building fund. This was uh, to do two things. It was to address this, which is our parking lot. It also was to address some things in, as we rebuild that we, there's opportunities to save money later on. And so I brought up, we brought up those two kinds of things. We set some numbers uh, of those things, and we, we opened the fund. And at, at, at this point, we've got uh, $49,377. So thank you so far for what you've been giving. And uh, we will update that number probably in March, April of that $550,000 that we looked. I think uh, it will be lower. We kind of have to, as we're going, figure out what, we, what uh, specifically we're going to put in. Um, I also want to tell you that in our rebuild, okay, we've got structure things that the insurance covers, and then we have this area called contents. That means anything that was in our building that uh, we, we took all this, a lot of the stuff out and then we brought it back. Some of it didn't work, and we were given a budget number to, to replace those contents. And that number is nowhere near what we need to replace the contents, but... A lot of the contents we've gone through and we're going through as a staff to say, do we need that anymore? And we're hoping, actually, that that number, once we figure out what we actually need, that we don't need to come back and say, hey, we're short this amount of money. I think that's going to be the case, but I don't know. Uh, in March and April, we'll update you on that as well. So we just encourage you, generosity. Um, you can go to mylcc.info. You'll see the Give tab there at the top. You can choose the general fund. You can choose the building fund. We always, people ask which one. I always encourage you, give to the, to the general fund first. If there's extra to give to the building fund, give to the building fund. So I'm going to pray about this and pray uh, for Jeff as he comes up. But thank you for the, uh, the way you live out what it means to, to honor God with your resources. Um, I'm just 
thankful for this body of believers and the, the faithful, committed work we're doing by um, just allowing God to, to have what is his anyway. So let me pray. All we have is yours, God. We learned last week you created everything. It all came from you. You hold it together. Help us to have a mindset that it is yours and help us to find the joy, God, of what it looks like to actually give and to, to partner in the work of transforming lives. Um, and God, today, as Jeff comes up to speak, I pray for him that you would use him, God, to teach us more about who you are and how you've made us. So excited for him to be here. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Jeff Haynes. I am excited to be with you today. Before we get into the message, though, how many of you are big roller coaster fans? All right. Where is the best roller coaster park? Anybody? Anybody? Cedar Point, of course, America's roller coast. For a time, I had the privilege of living in the St. Louis area. Six Flags Over Mid-America was there. At that time, they boasted three roller coasters. Needless to say, the youth group I was working with, that was all they were accustomed to, and I said, no, no, you have no idea what an amusement park is until you've gone to Cedar Point. So all the way from St. Louis, I think two or three different times, I took the youth group to Cedar Point, and their eyes were like saucers. It was like, oh my goodness, how could we have ever been so excited about what we had when we have this? Okay. Well, last week, Tom began our series, First Things First, in the book of Genesis, looking at creation. He looked at how darkness... From darkness, there became light. From chaos, there became order. And from emptiness, there became filling, which has nothing to do with roller coasters. But we'll come back to that, okay? We saw that God is the one that is, brings order, light, and fulfillment. We saw how all of these themes in the Bible not, were not only in the first chapter, but they were reinforced all the way through into Revelation. We specifically saw in the narrative of creation how God created things by the phrase, then God said, and we went through, that there be light, let there be a vault, let there be water under the sky, let the dry ground appear, let the land produce vegetation, let there be lights in the vault of the sky, let the te water team with living creatures and let the land produce living creatures. This week we're going to look at how we're made in God's image, individually and corporately. We're going to see what sets us apart from creation and we're going to consider why God made us in his image. The story of creation sets us apart as uniquely made. We're different than anything else in creation. But what does it mean to be made in God's image? 
How does that truth change the way we relate to God and the way we relate to each other? And to live out our greatest command, the greatest command to love God and to love, love our neighbor. Reading from Genesis 1, verse 26, we see, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. From, from what we see here, man was definitely set apart. Man was created different than anything else that God had created. We know that man has a spiritual side. When we are born, when we, when we come into this world, we are actually created as immortal, believe it or not. The spiritual side of us will either live forever with God or will live forever without God. So that sets us apart. We are intellectually different from the rest of creation. We have the ability to reason, think, solve problems. Unlike anything else in creation, mankind does that. Relationally, we are also like God. We have the capacity to both give and receive love. The epitome of God's love, of course, was when he offered his son as a sacrifice on the cross for us. And then morally, we also have that in common with God in that we have the ability to discern from right from wrong. We know, without a doubt, what our choices are. And when we make those choices, we know whether they are of God or not of God. Genesis chapter 2 gives us another glimpse of the creation of man in Genesis 2, 7. We see, then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Imagine for, with me for a moment the God of the universe scooping up the dust of the ground that he had just created. He begins working it back and forth in the palm of his hands. It becomes pliable. He begins forming cells, limbs, organs, heart, your face. Every detail about mankind he forms. And then once formed, 
he lifts that creation in his arms and he cradles it, looking upon that lifeless form at this point in his arms. Think about it for a minute. All of creation. Some of you have had a chance to travel. I know I have. I haven't gotten to go everywhere I want to go yet, but hoping to get to some of these places maybe down the road. But consider some of the things that God's created and the magnificence of those creation, the northern lights. I've been to Alaska. I've seen the shores of Alaska. It's breathtaking. The Swiss Alps, Hawaii, any of you that love beach vacations know there are some gorgeous sunsets. As we consider the magnificence of all creation, God looks at you, God looks at mankind, and God says, isn't it amazing? You, you are more amazing than anything in creation. Let that, let that sink in, absorb that for a minute. More magnificent than the Swiss Alps, more magnificent than Mount Everest, more brilliant than the Northern Lights, this newly formed being in the arms of God, not a baby, but a grown being, limp and lifeless. God raises man up. God leans over and with one breath, breathes into man the breath of life. And for the first time, man takes his first breath. What pure love, what pure joy, what pure excitement that must have been for God. We don't think of God like that very often, but if we're created in his image as we know we are, he had to be feeling that. He had to. The epitome of creation is you. God established at that point a relationship with man. Different than anything else in creation, God wanted an intimate relationship. He didn't need an intimate relationship, but he wanted an intimate relationship. His desire was to know us and for us to know him. And not just to know about him, but to really, really, really know him. In Job, Job recognized that he was created by God in this verse from Job chapter 33. He says, the spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. God established a relationship with us. I want to pick on somebody for a minute, and I've, I've forewarned him, so he knows. Michael Shore, if you wouldn't mind standing, you can stay where you're at. You don't have to come up. All right. This is my friend, Michael Shore. Okay, everybody say hi, Michael. Michael's my friend because we attend church together, right, Michael? You go to LCC, I go to LCC. Michael and his wife also occasionally like to shop at the Kroger on Cemetery Road. Isn't that right? 
you, you occasionally hit the Kroger there, okay. Michael has a degree in engineering, correct? Okay. His father, Eric Schroer, has a degree in biomedical engineering, correct? And his brother, Doug, is a nurse, nurse practitioner, okay? Growing up, Michael also had the opportunity to go on some medical missions, is that correct? Yes, okay, all right. All right, you can have a seat. Thank you. So, I know Michael, right? Maybe. Actually, Michael, have I ever been over to your house? Have we ever hung out together? <laughs> Michael's father happens to be my primary care physician, so there we go. All right. Um, I don't really know Michael. I know about Michael. I know some facts about Michael, but I don't really know Michael. I thank you for your participation today. I could extrapolate on some things about Michael, make some guesses. You know, Michael likes to be active. Michael likes to be physically fit. Michael loves the Ohio State Buckeyes, but I would be guessing. I don't know for sure if those facts are true. The only way for me to know that about Michael and to get to know Michael would be to spend more time with Michael. I could sit by him in church, but that's one Sunday a month. That wouldn't, that wouldn't do much. We could get together for coffee through the week. Well, that would do some too, but it wouldn't do a whole lot. The fact is, the more time, the more devotion, the more attention that I give to Michael, the closer our relationship would be and the more I would get to know him and know about him and possibly even reflect some of the attributes of Michael in my own life. You see where I'm going with this? I think you do. We can know about God without knowing God. And as we move through talking about who God created us to be, a ref and he recreated us to be a reflection of him, the only way we can do that is not just knowing about him, but really, really, really getting to know him. Time, devotion, focus, sacrifice, those are all critical elements in develop developing a relationship with the living God. We need to prioritize time. All of us have packed schedules. All of us are, are, are maxed to the, the nth degree with things to do. And we often try to fit God in. But God doesn't want to be fit in. He wants to be a priority. One of our greatest struggles in understanding and building our relationship with God can revolve around how intimate and how personal our relationship with God can be when we consider there are millions of other people in the world. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder how can God, an infinite God, be attentive to so many people and yet still be personal. And yet that's who he is. That's what he does. And that blows my mind and I can't explain it to you but that's what, what, what happens. 
Just as Adam was created in God's image, all of mankind has been and continues to be created in the image of God. We saw that male and female, he created them. And while our conversation this morning is going to primarily focus on believers and how believers adequately, maybe not accurately, but adequately reflect the image of God, we need to remember that the woman who just cut you off in traffic was made in the image of God. The baby looking at you from the grocery cart in front of you was made in the image of God. The international customer service representative on the other end of your phone line was created in the image of God. The handicapped person walking across the street, the gang spraying graffiti on the Catholic church down the road, the child with Down syndrome hanging out and helping in the nursery, the man emptying your garbage, the teenager disfigured by burns, the surgeon with the pathetic bedside manager, the teacher who so desperately wants to see your child succeed, the veteran with PTSD, the person headlining the evening news who just committed that heinous crime, your pastor, your neighbor, your spouse, your teenager, you, all created in the image of God. Every person, past, present, and future has been, is, or will be created in the image of God, but every person may or not, may or may not reflect the image of God in the way that God intended. And while we'd like to think that those of us who have come to know Christ would reflect that image a little bit more accurately, we know that all have sinned, me, you, and those who have not come to know him. And through that sin, we know that sin has marred the reflection of that image to others. Sin has a way of clouding or distorting God's reflection in both the believer and the unbeliever. Only Jesus has provided us with the exact likeness, the visible image of the invisible God, the exact representation of his being. Proverbs 27, 19. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. People see God in you because of what you're reflecting. The closer your relationship to God, to our Creator, the more they're going to see His image through you. Why is our relationship with God so important? It's because of and from our relationship with our Creator that we can accurately reflect His image in the way He intended. It is where we will discover our greatest fulfillment in life. Sadly, <clears throat> we live in a society where people aren't looking to God to see who they are. They're looking further and further away from the Creator to define who they are. For many, social media has taken that role or consumed that role. The more likes, the better. People are asking each other, who do they identify as? And rarely is the answer a child of God created in his image. Being created in God's image does not mean that we are carbon copies of one another or clones. God, through his infinite wisdom, created each of us on our own with unique 
personalities, gifts, and abilities. Each of us can and will reflect the image of God differently. And that's the way God designed it. It's how each of us will be fulfilled. The Bible is full of stories. We see stories of various people throughout creation, all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and it's interesting to note how many of those people God chose and God used that fit into this ca- these categories. Misfits, losers, and last picks. Some of you in this room might say, well, that kind of describes me. Maybe, maybe not. But God, if you look in, in Matthew chapter 1, the, the text of uh, the genealogy of Christ, we see three people in particular that could fit this. The first misfit is Ruth. Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. Ruth wasn't a Jew. She really shouldn't have been somebody that God wouldn't, would have used, right? I mean, it wasn't, she wasn't part of his chosen people. And yet we know that Ruth is in the genealogy of Christ. Losers. Well, Rahab, Rahab the prostitute, who allowed the, the spies in to Jericho. She was on the wall. She allowed them to come in and scope out the, the, the city and, and do all of the things that she did. With her background, with her lifestyle, she, she's in the genealogy of Christ. And then uh, last picks. Well, we know David was a king. David was a great king. He had some flaws. He made some mistakes, but... When David was chosen king, was he the first son of Jesse that was chosen? No, no. He was the last one. They had almost forgotten about him, at least his father had. He was still out in the field when his father called him in. Ruth, Rahab, David, all in the lineage of Christ. Why did God do that? You know, there's a lot of other names if you read through that. I didn't have that verse printed, but if you read through that passage in, Gen- in Matthew 1, there's a lot of other names that we may or may not recognize because they're, they're probably not mentioned in the Bible other than in that passage. It's because they, too, reflected the image of Christ, the image of God. Maybe, maybe they didn't make the headline news. Maybe they didn't make the report, but... They were key. They were vital in, in the way God used them uh, about to bringing his son. You might be thinking, well, those are good. I can think of a lot of other stories. I can think about Noah or Moses or Paul or Peter, even for that manner. And I could never be like any of those people. And you know what? God is looking right at you right now and say, yeah, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Because I don't want you to be David. I don't want you to be Peter. I don't want you to be Ruth. I don't want you to be Rahab. I don't want you to be Esther or any number of people that you could read through scriptures because I didn't create you to be them. I created you to be you and to reflect me in the only way that you can. 
trust, that's part of a relationship. Trust through our personal, intimate relationship influences the way we reflect the image of God. The difference in all those people, Ruth, Rahab, and David, and all the other people that I mentioned, is the trust relationship that they built with, with God through allowing him to do more than they could ask or think in their, in their own lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. All right, so we have a relationship. We know that we need to reflect the image of God in our lives, but we also have a responsibility. As image bearers, we, are, we not only have a responsibility to God, but we have a responsibility to the body of believers and to the unbelieving. All right, so I'm going to ask for some help, and some of you I've talked to you, and there's a couple that I have not. I apologize, but I've pre-selected some volunteers to help me up front. First, Tim, can you come up here? My son, Tim. Kevin, Kevin, can you come up here, please, and give me a hand, too? Tim, if you could stand down here behind that red bin for me. Kevin, you're going to come up here and stand behind this green and yellow bin. All right. Leave the lids on until I tell you to take them off. Sandy Miller, can you come up here? Sorry, Sandy. If you could stand behind this one right here, this yellow and red one, with, no, this one at this end. And then uh, Dan, Dan, Dan Burmeister, are you still here? There we go. All right, Dan, if you could stand down here. All right. Everybody's excited, I'm sure. All right, what I'm going to ask you to do is to, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to build something for me. And anyway, I'm going to ask you to build a tower, okay? So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to take the lid off your container and on the tray or, or pan beside you, uh, build, use, build it on, on that, basically. This is not a contest. It's not to see who can build the biggest tower, who can do it the fastest. We're just going to build towers, and we're going to evaluate how those towers were constructed afterwards. So um, if you need some tools for your objects, here's some tools that you're welcome to use. If you, if you can't get it done, don't worry about it. Anyway, so I think for the sake of time, we're going to do, let's say, 60 seconds and see how it goes. <laughs> no rush, no rush, again. All right, so I'll step back here. We'll let you guys watch what's going on, but on your mark, get set, begin. Okay, use, use the elements... Use the elements that you've got to build the tower. Dan, you look like you're struggling down here. All right. Tim, you're doing good. Tim. All right, are you good? All right. 
All right. Um, how about, uh, Dan, you need more time? You've got to use the elements in, in the bin. You, you, you can't use the bin. I'm sorry. Just the elements in the bin. Can I use your elements? Let's do a countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right. Let me. Uh, all right. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. That was interesting. Some of these guys seem to have better success than others. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim, you did a great job on your tower there. Yeah. Have you ever felt like God has called you to the impossible? God has asked you to reflect something. God has asked you to do something, and you say, but God, you're asking me to build a tower, and I'm only water. God, that's impossible. How can, that, how can I do that? It could lead to frustration. It could lead to bitterness. It could lead to confusion. Dan did a very good job keeping his composure and keeping his attitude positive, but, I mean, let's be real. When God asks us to do something that seems overwhelming, sometimes we just want to throw up our hands and say, God, what? How do you, how do you expect me to accomplish that? Throughout Scripture, we see God's image shine, though, in the face of the impossible. Think back to the book of Joshua. In Joshua, we see the, uh, I'm behind on my slides, I believe. Anyway, in Joshua, we see the Levitical priests walking into the Jordan River at flood stage before God parted it. They were looking at the impossible, and God did the possible. Let's think in the New Testament you remember when Saul, the Apostle Paul, when he came, when, when Christ appeared to him in a vision and then blinded him, and then he was on the road to Damascus, then he was left, and God chose a man named Ananias to go to Paul, Saul at the time. Saul was a murderer. He was, he was murdering Christians. He was the last person that anybody who professed to know Christ wanted to be with. And yet, God said, but I want you to go. He was facing what could have been the impossible, could have been the end of his life, and yet Ananias went and laid his hands on Saul, and scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Dan's project would have been a little easier up here if I had provided water in a different form. If I provided him with ice cubes or blocks of ice or snow, he could have done a little bit better. He might have even gotten a, a tower bigger than what Tim got here. 
it would have been easier. Sometimes in our own lives, when we're faced with the impossible, we need to step back and take a look at what God is asking us to do from a different perspective. Maybe we need to pull in some wise counsel from other believers, saying, okay, God, I feel like God's taking me in this direction. I feel like God's doing this. Give me some feedback. Give me some, some answers of where, where, we need, where, where you think I need to, where this needs to go. Sometimes we just need to lean into him more. Say, God, I want to be, be who you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to reflect your image in the way that you want me to reflect it. But you've got to show me how. Sometimes we need to look at the thing that God's asking us to do completely differently. Anybody notice anything about this house? What do you notice? Anybody? Okay. Do you see the water? Anybody see the water? Water? Anybody see the water there? Okay, well, it's not there. It was there, but it's not there. Okay? If the group I had up here just a minute ago if I would have had them combine their elements, work together, and add Portland cement, what would the success have been? It would have been pretty good, wouldn't it? In fact, the tower that Tim built would have been stronger. Yeah, he did a good job on his tower, but if we combine one part Portland cement, two parts sand, three parts gravel, and the right amount of water, we have a, a cement, cement wall. If we eliminate the gravel and we use that substance as mortar, we have a strong brick wall. What happens to the water? After it's, after it's set, it disappears. The water dries. No one would even know that the water was in this. That was not the first thing that came to your mind. No one would know that unless they had built it. I chose Dan to do the water up here because he's the glue. You see that? He's not always seen, he's not always recognized, but there's an amazing thing happening in the body of Christ, and he's essential. You're essential. You could be the water in your home. You could be the water in your workplace. You could be that essential element that God wants to use to reflect his image. You know, sometimes we, we, like, we like that idea, but sometimes we think, well, well, God, I don't know if I like that, you know? So if you want me to, if 
you, if you want me to work with gravel and sand and Portland cement, well, I will, but there, that's all I'm doing. I'll give you my little bit of water, but, you know, that's, that's as much as you're going to get from me. Well, that's not going to do anything. It's going to be pathetic. Well, okay then, God. I'll just dump, you know, I'll just pour my whole, you know, I'll take over. I'll take over the project. I'll, I'll just do whatever. Well, it's going to be just as bad because it's not going to stick together. When we work together as a church, as a body, it's important that all of the elements come together and function appropriately, okay? In Colossians, we read, the Son, of, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. As we're seeking to be reflective, to, uh, to reflect the image of God in our lives, the best example we can have is Christ himself. If we want to work, if we want to be strong members of the body of Christ, we need to work together. What if water decided it didn't want to cooperate? Well, we saw what could happen. Well, what if sand decided it would only work with artesian spring water, but not cloudy brown water? What if water had been used to make only iced tea and lemonade and never been used in construction before, and it was arguing, I don't want to do that. What if gravel decided it would only cooperate with sand that was gathered from the Atlantic Ocean? You see what can happen in a body if we get too picky, if we get too, you know, focused on ourselves and not what God wants us to accomplish? Image, as image bearers of the living God, who better to fix our eyes on than the Son of God himself? From 1 Corinthians 12, this is a long passage, it talks about the body. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if a an ear should say, I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would for that reason not stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I want to stop there for a minute. You see that? God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You're exactly where God wants you to be. You're exactly who God wants you, created you to be. Let's suppose for a moment that you think you're a hand. As a hand, you might think, oh, well, that's great. 
I can hold my, my spouse's hand. I can hold my significant other's hand. I can be used in that way. But as a hand, you might be called to change a diaper. As a hand, you might be called to go dumpster diving to retrieve a lost heirloom for somebody. As a hand, you might be reaching through flames to help someone who's caught in a fire. Don't think for a minute just because you know what part of the body you are that you're going to be caught up doing the same repetitive tasks day after day, time and time again. Christ said, a thief comes only to steal and, steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Full life. Isn't that what we all want? We want that full life. We want that full life that Christ has to offer. But you know, our picture of a full life can vary greatly. Because the full life that Christ is offering hasn't always been the picture of the full life that I thought I was going to have, the, the direction I was going to go. Several years ago, Linda and I, my wife, and I found out that we could not have children. So we decided to pursue the route of adoption. So we adopted Tim and Nick while we were living in Dallas. We proceeded to adopt our son Drew after we moved here. And then by an act of God, we decided to add four more children to our family. Now, we were probably crazy at the moment, but we were nonetheless felt like we were being guided in that direction. So family of seven adopted children. We were crazy. family of seven adoptive children that we thought, oh, God's going to use us to do this, and God's going to use us to do that, and God's going to work this way, and God's going to go that way. You know, not only with the adoption, but with so much of our life, we found that the direction we were heading often wasn't necessarily the direction that God wanted us to go, or wasn't God wasn't going to use us in the way we thought we were. It goes back to my illustration at the beginning of our message. Who likes roller coasters? Who likes riding roller coasters in the dark? Who likes riding roller coasters in the dark all the time? <laughs> we got one back here. <laughs> Living the abundant life with Christ can feel like that. It can feel like you're riding a roller coaster in the dark day after day after day. About the time you think things are getting better, you're going up the hill, all of a sudden it goes down again. And pretty soon you begin to think, oh, we're going to be, I know where we're going, Lord. I know, I know what's happening. I know what direction you're taking me. We're going to go left at this, or, or right at this, this, this corner down here. No, 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 we're going to go left, actually, and... We're going to be used this way. God has an interesting way of working in us individually to, to allow us to know he's here with us, that he's going to use us. 
And then it's according to his plan that we're going to be used. You know, I can't tell you how many times, how many times I've, I've, I've looked at God and said, God, I'm with you, but boy, it sure would be no, nice to know that we're on the same page, you know? It sure would be nice. But God doesn't always do that, you know? God doesn't always do that. You know, I'm, I'm today in a different place than I was two years ago. Never would have guessed. But God is good. And I see God working. And I see God touching people around me. And I see people warming up to who he is. People that may not have even thought of him before. And I see God bringing us together as a body. God doesn't need us. God wants us. God wants to bless us because he lo loves us. In our relationship with God, we need to remember that God loves me. He not only loves me, he adores me. And he longs for a personal, intimate relationship with me. As we reflect God's image, we, say, we see that God's image is best reflective through me, the more intimate I become with him. It's trust, trust. The more intimate we become with God, the more trust we build with him. And it's our responsibility, surrendering and believing, only he can accomplish the impossible through me, radiating his image in me. I hope that's true of all of you. I hope that each one of you want to build your relationship with Christ. They want, you want to reflect that image and you want to see him use you in the body and in the lives of all those people around you. I thank you for the time I've had with you today. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for creating us in your image and thank you for your calling in our lives. Father, we know that life can be a roller coaster from time to time, and we know that we're not always ready to take the hills and the valleys and the turns that you lead us through, but with you by our side, you holding our hand, you riding in that roller coaster car beside us is, is the way that we can get through it and the way that we can accomplish what you want us to and be the people who you want us to be. Go forth with us from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.